Rainmaker FM. This podcast is brought to you by copyblogger.com. Words that work. Build your online authority with powerfully effective content marketing. Get superior content marketing education so you can build a remarkable online presence. Head over to copyblogger.com to learn more. That's copyblogger.com. Well, hello there. It is amazing to see you again in this brand new year. Welcome back to Copyblogger FM, the content marketing podcast. Copyblogger FM is about emerging content marketing trends, interesting disasters, and enduring best practices, along with the occasional rant. My name is Sonia Simone, and I am a co-founder and the chief content officer for Copyblogger Media. And we are kicking off the new year, which is so fun, by um, Paul Jarvis coming by to talk to us. Paul is a writer and a designer and a podcaster and a software creator and book author and so many things. Paul, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me on today. It's really, really super. So this is fun. You you have have this amazing kind of resume where you clearly like to do a lot of different kinds of things. Um, and I noticed that you've worked for some of these massive companies. I mean, you know, almost what you think of when you think of a huge company, Microsoft and Warner Music, Mercedes-Benz, um, these super huge enterprises. But you have this new book out. It's called Company of One. We're really excited about it. And it's really about the beauty of staying small and not getting so giant. So I was just curious, what was the spark? What was it that, that made you say, I'm going to sit down and put a serious chunk of time into writing this book. Yeah, it was, it, it's funny. I mean, like, uh, it, it came from, from sharing content. So although mm-hmm. I've worked with these uh, huge monster sized businesses for my own business, I've always felt that I love the job that I do. I love writing. I love designing. I, there's no reason that I could think of, no good reason other than serving ego or social status that would make me want to promote myself out of the job I like doing where I would hire a whole bunch of people and end up managing them as opposed to just doing the work myself, which I, again, I, I really like to do. And so the book, but I thought I was the only one who thought this way. Mm-hmm. I thought I was the, the business weirdo who thought that the byproduct of business success wasn't growth. It was freedom, um, which is kind of the main thesis of the book. Uh, but then uh, the good thing about content and the good thing about content marketing is I get to share the ideas that I have with my audience and see what resonates. And so I wrote an article called, I don't want to, I don't want to grow or something like that. It was a name around that. Mm -hmm. And I shared it with my mailing list. And I was like, this is just going to be something that people are going to read and say, well, this is good for you, Paul. But then a funny thing happened. I started to get replies of other people saying like, hey, I run a successful business and I don't necessarily want to grow beyond what it needs to grow to. And then there was hundreds of emails and then there was another couple hundred emails. And I felt like I I'd inadvertently hit a nerve with people where there's this horrible pun, but there's this growing movement of mm. people that don't necessarily want to grow their business past what um, enough growth is for them. And so I was like, this, this makes sense. This, this is what I've been doing all along. This is 
this is also something that's resonating with my audience. So that this is some, there's something here. There's a, there's a book here for sure. And luckily my agent and then publisher <laughs> were on the same page with, with it being a good idea for the book. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I contrast it to, I remember reading, um, Michael Gerber's The E-Myth, which everybody, you know, loves. And, um, yeah. he tells the story about a, I think it was a baker, you know, and, um, and how it was her goal. And there was not really any room for any other kind. <laughs> of goal that you know she had to be working on her business not in her business which meant no more baking pies you know it was all about uh you know getting a handle on the books and getting a handle on team and hr and i remember thinking way back in the day that sounds really kind of brutal like what about somebody who just wants to bake pies yeah you know why why not why not um cool well i do want to um and I, I have not seen it yet, but I am looking forward to getting my copy. It do, It is released on January 15th. Do I have that right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Yes. I know you have some kind of goodies for people who do order it in advance. So there are lots of places to order it, all the usual places that you buy books. And then um, Paul has put together a little page at ofone.co. So that's of, O-F, one O-N-E and then dot C-O, not ophone.co like I kept reading it. <laughs> I was like, that's intriguing. What is that? And there's just a lot of good stuff. So, um, and you're extending that just a tiny bit. Is that right? Yeah, it's going to be until, I, I was going to leave it until book launch, but now I'm leaving it for a, a few more weeks where oh, nice. it doesn't really matter if you get the first chapter delivered instantly when the book is out, but there's right. other things like a discount on the course that I'll be teaching. There's going to be a live Q&A that I'm doing. Um, and then a whole bunch more as uh, if you order five books or, or order 25 books sort of thing. Because, I mean, it's a book I'm proud of. And I, I want to see um, how sales can go and how I can hopefully get uh, the book into as many hands of the right people uh, as humanly possible. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more about the bonuses in just a moment. I just thought, though, it might be a good opportunity to just take a, a few minutes. I mean, I think especially in, in the United States, but you know, other places as well. There's, we are very much a more is more culture. <laughs> Bigger <laughs> is better. More is more. Faster is is better. Can you just talk about maybe some of the things that you found that that would challenge that, or, um, you know, maybe some people who found that more was not necessarily more, and uh, there might be another way to to think about things. For sure. So I I think the first point to your point there is that success is personal. Mm -hmm. And I found that through, I probably did a hundred interviews for the book and, and everybody that I spoke with kind of felt that they were happier and more content and more pleased with success when they actually got to define it. And it makes sense if we work for ourselves that we should be able to define what that is. And I think, unfortunately, in the media right now, we're shown like this is what success looks like. Or in startup culture, we're shown that this is what a successful uh, startup looks like. And this is why you focus on growth over profit, which has never made sense to me, but it does for, mm -hmm. for other companies. And I think the idea that, that's, that, that success is personal means that we get to define that. And I mean, the book, chapter one of the book, the first story in the book is about uh, a guy I know, Tom Fishburne, who runs a studio called Marketune. But so he went to Harvard, he got an MBA, he was working at a, a major food brand in the United States, he was a C-level executive. And so he was making good money. And he was doing the things that he thought that he was supposed to be doing with his life. 
but he wasn't happy. He has two kids, so he wasn't getting to see them that much. And he was drawing these cartoons on the side, and more and more people were like, hey, Tom, can you draw me a cartoon? And he was also really good at marketing. I mean, he got an, he got an MBA, so he knew a little bit about that. So he figured that he could position his, his work in cartoons, which he really liked to do, in a way where he could start his own company. And he did, and it's called Marketoon. And now he lives... Um, I think he lives somewhere in Northern California and he has a studio in his backyard and he gets to draw in the afternoons with his two young kids. And so he gets to spend time with them and he actually makes more money now than he did uh, when he was working for a huge company. And the business is him, his wife does operations and then they hire freelancers as needed. And I mean that like to, to Tom, that's, that's success. Like that is, he gets to make a great, living. He doesn't have to manage a lot of people and he gets to spend time with his family. Like it, it's wins across the board when, when he defined what success meant to him and then aligned the work he did to, to get to that and then optimize for that once he met that. Yeah. I, I'm such a, a big believer in if you're going to, you know, it, it is not that easy to start a business despite no. what some people will tell it, you. If you're going to do all that work, you might as well get to make your own rules. I mean, you know, I don't, if I'm going to put that much into it, yeah, I, I want to come out happy at the other side. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, now you talked about Tom and um, he was working with his wife and um, he did have some freelancers. And of course, I mean, I'm imagining it's not always the, like, it's not going to be everybody's goal, you know, to be a company of one. Um, do you have some thoughts on that, on bringing on team, on how to think about even just, because I think sometimes we rush, right, to bring on team. Mm-hmm. How, how do you think about that, about bringing other people into your, your little, your little micro company? Do you have a cool word for it? Like, <laughs> like micro enterprise or something? Do you have any? I mean, I, I wish I did have a cool word. I need to work on we'll <laughs> have to, a brand we'll have guy. To, uh, yeah, we'll have to have like a little contest or something. We'll get you a cool term yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just call it I'd small, smaller, smaller businesses. And I mean, like my business isn't like the, the, the title of the book isn't meant to be literal in so right. much as like the four hour work week, Tim never meant that everybody should work four hours per week and not more. The, the title of the book is, is meant to make us think that maybe growth should be questioned. Yeah. So even in my own business, I have four or five people, depending on the day that I work with. Yeah. They don't require management, which is why I work with them. It's why I pay them a lot more than, say, industry standards. But it's worth it to me because I'm not very good at managing. So why would, <laughs> why would I want to do that? Mm-hmm. And I also don't enjoy it. So why would I want to do it? So I hire people who just know how to do the work. And then we only need to talk about the work if there's an issue, which is totally fine. We just need to communicate at that point. And so I think that, and even throughout the book, like I I talk about businesses, well, I talk about copy blogger (laughs) quite a bit, but I also talk who isn't, and and you are all not a one person business. I talk about Basecamp and Buffer and they're at the about 50 or 60 person size. So I think the company of one and, and the company of one idea and thesis is meant more to be like a mental framework for how to question growth and decide when it makes sense yeah. and when it doesn't, because definitely growth does make sense. Like I'm definitely not anti-growth, especially when we start. We typically all start our business at zero and need to grow to have enough customers, enough profit, enough everything. So we do need growth at at certain times. And sometimes things change as business pretty much always does. So growth isn't the enemy, I don't think. It's just something that that we shouldn't just take as, well, we're doing well, so we need to hire more. Or we're doing well, so we need to make it bigger. Or we're doing well, and it just needs to 
scale and grow and everything else. I think, like you said, if we're in charge, if it's our business, we should be able to make those decisions. They, they should be decisions is basically the point. They shouldn't just be givens that we we succeed, therefore we grow. It should be we succeed, therefore we have the freedom to choose growth or not growth. Yeah, um, you use that word enough, I noticed a couple of times, and that to me is a very powerful, that's a superpower word, I think, enough, that idea. My favorite enough. word. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's if you really kind of meditate on it, it's pretty, can be pretty life-changing because, there, you know, there is a point where you're chasing the horizon, right? You keep running mm-hmm. and you run, you run so fast and you run so fast and you don't ever get there because the horizon is <laughs> illusory. It's, you know, it doesn't, it's not a place you yeah. can get to. Yeah. Um, and of course, I, you know, I would be amazed if this quote did not appear in your book, but that great quote, quote that um, growth for the sake of growth is the ideology of the cancer cell, yeah. um, which is so, you know, startling. Yeah, it's funny that in biology, uh, unfettered rapid growth is 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 a disease. Yeah. But in business, especially in startup culture, it's lauded as the the key metric to measure success and it doesn't even in in evolution. Like the evolution mm-hmm. shows that like apex species get bigger, more dominant. But then it's counterbalanced with the tendency for extinction to happen for larger species because they're fragile, because they require so many resources, because they require more land, more food, more anything. And smaller species, the ones that are more uh, paranoid are the ones that last the longest. It's not the apex predators that last the longest. It's it's the small ones. It's the, it's the rats. It's the cockroaches that, that, that really endure. Yeah, and I don't think enough people really think about that fragility of 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 size. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we think of, and I think we all worry. I mean, when we have a little organization, especially in certain kinds of um, certain kinds of environments, you're always worried, right, that you're going to get crunched up by those giant competitors that they're just going to come in and just stomp on you. Um, do you have anything particularly to sort of speak to people on that? And because that's um, I think that's why people grow when they when they don't really want to is because they're just so afraid of those big yeah. um, behemoths. I think market domination is an antiquated idea, to mm-hmm. be perfectly mm-hmm. honest. Mm-hmm. I think that, I mean, and to bring it back to copy blogger, I think it's so it it is it makes so much sense to exist in a market that serves a niche. Because you can build relationships with that niche, even if it's smaller, as long as it's profitable, it's big enough. You can build long-term relationships with that niche. And I mean, like, I have a product that competes with Google Analytics. Right, right. <laughs> like, yeah. I, there's no bigger competition that's possible. But that that business, as an analytics product, that business makes good money. Like, that business makes enough to support myself and my co-founder. And it's it that we don't need to be the biggest business in the market by by any means. We just need to serve the the specific focus in that market as as good as we possibly can and as well as we possibly can. And I mean, for that, it, it's people who are concerned with privacy. And I mean, guess what? The, all the news cycles now about tech yeah. and anti-privacy things, <laughs> it just keeps like it's doing the promotion for us because yeah. we picked we picked one single lane for one single type of person. And that's what we try to do. Our feature set is a fraction of what Google Analytics does, but it doesn't matter because what we're focusing on is just what that fraction of the market needs. And so I think it's definitely possible to thrive as a small organization 
because I don't I don't worry about getting crushed by the competitors because they're doing their thing and we're doing our own thing and we're serving a market in their market that they're probably they don't even notice like they don't know who we are and and we're still completely profitable. Yeah, I think that I'm hearing something that's a little different. You know, we we had in the internet money days. <laughs> <laughs> this whole idea of set it and forget it, that you would have this. And, you know, Tim Ferriss's book a little bit played into that idea of, and it was a little bit of hyperbole, right? That we would sort of make something and then it goes on autopilot and you just go to the beach and drink margaritas. and and. But you really are talking about staying attuned to something, staying attuned to that market, um, evolving with them. I mean, I would imagine that there could be things that would make your analytics product that would make you need to respond and adapt. Yeah. 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 But it also like, I definitely, like I'm a huge, I'm such a nerd and I use email automation for so many things, but I never want to automate out, um, interaction with, with potential customers and customers. Like I'm going to do everything I can with technology to pre-answer common questions because it's a waste of my time to answer the same questions over and over again. And it's a waste of the customer or the potential customer's time to have to wait for a response I've already given. If they have a question that's been asked somewhere else, they should be able to get that instantly through things like help desks or knowledge bases or through better onboarding videos or through smarter segmented email campaigns. And so I'm definitely going to do all of the things that I can to take those things out of the picture so I can exist as a small business. But I'm never going to want to automate out at least some interaction with the people who my business is serving because I don't think that makes any logical sense. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think people get a little bit, um, sometimes get a little off the path there. Yeah. Um, I do want to point people, um, we were talking about, you know, apex predators and rats and elephants and things. Um, you do have a post on copy blogger with us. If you are listening to this, the day it's released, then the post will be released tomorrow. It's coming out January 15th, the same day as the book. Um, but if you'd like to read that, it's at www.copyblogger.com slash of OF hyphen one O N E of one. Um, and thank you for that. I think that'll be, um, it was fun too. I, I had a, a preview of it and I liked it. <laughs> thank you. Um, I want to talk, I want to swing back a little bit to the bonuses. If you pre-order the book Company of One by Paul Jarvis, um, you do get some treats. <laughs> um, you can go to of one of co of one.co to pick those up. And I noticed one of the things was the, um, the CO one Academy. And I just was curious what that what that is. Yeah, I mean, I've been making courses for, oh gosh, probably about five years now. And I really love that format. And I mean, that's a great example of something that scales without requiring growth. Mm -hmm. So I can make a course one time and teach. it takes the same amount of time to teach it to one person as 10,000 people. And so I love that aspect of the internet and of technology. And so the reason I made the um, Company of One Academy is that I wanted there to be something at, because the book is deaf. The book is not very prescriptive. Like I'll, I'll be honest, it's not sure. going to give you the blueprint to succeed in business because I don't think that, I don't think that exists. It instead gives you a model for making better and faster and easier decisions around what growth makes sense or not. So I made the course to kind of help dig into the pragmatic 
things to in order to make decisions. So like if you're starting a company, what should you consider and, and what factors need to determine growth or not? When you're determining what to focus on in the market, what you need to do for that, how to launch things in a small and as quick a way to try to test the market first and to try to get to profitability faster. And then the course also, there's a few other lessons too, but I won't go through all of them. But the other thing that kind of comes with it is I've noticed in my own life, in my own writing and content marketing, that there are so many people who are building businesses in this way who either want to talk about it with other people because this is a different or a counterintuitive notion Mm -hmm. in, in business or they're, they're wanting to start and they're wanting to start in this way, not in the growth centric way. So I, I've made uh, a community that goes along with the course, which is if you buy the course, you get instant and forever access to it because I just want there to be a place for people who are building their own companies of one at any size to just be able to talk to each other and for me to get involved and to learn from and, and communicate with that as well because I think that there's I think this is a growing movement and I think that if I can provide a a space for people to talk about it then heck yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm gonna do that because I think it's great and I mean I've met hundreds of people who who are doing this and I just want everybody to be able to share with everybody I don't want to be the bottleneck in the sharing anymore like yeah I wrote the book but I want people to to be able to talk with each other about it without having me as as the throttle there yeah, I think that's so cool. And I, I do, I really do agree. I think there is a trend of very self-sufficient, very kind of sane and, and you know, whole um, small businesses that go along and they don't necessarily make, you know, the Inc. 500 or whatever <laughs> vanity, <laughs> you know, vanity thing that you wish you could make. But it's not so bad to have a good life and serve people. So I love yeah. this. I love this movement. I love. I'm really excited about the book. Um, it is called Company of One. It was written by our guest, whose name is Paul Jarvis. And I just want to remind folks one more time: if you pre-order the book, there are some additional treats that you get. You just point your browser to ofone.co. So that's of o f one o n e and then dot co. Um, I think it's exciting. I'm super, um, I just love, you know, I love this kind of project and I, um, I'm really excited to see what happens with it. So thanks for, thanks for letting us know what's out there. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me on today. I appreciate it. Very good. That's it for this week, guys. We will catch you next week. Take care.